0: Hello and welcome to Relational Peace University. I'm your host, Preston Yoder. Today we're going to talk about what to do when conflict strikes. What to do when conflict strikes. You can be assured of one thing in your life. It's this. You will face conflicts. Conflicts arise whenever two people have different expectations that collide. When two people have two different expectations that collide. This can be as simple as you saying, I want to go to the beach for vacation, and your spouse saying, I just want to have a low-key weekend here at the house. You have a different expectation. One wants an adventure, one wants something low-key, and the result of that is a collision of expectations. You can't do both. You can't go to the beach and stay home. Now, whenever conflict like this happens, and let's take this example and push it out to the extreme. In our last episode, we said that in extreme cases, a person could suppress all their desires and go to the beach, even though they don't want to be there. And in that case, they're going along, they're, on the outside, complying with what the person wins, wanted to do, and it looks like a win, but inside, they're dying. In an extreme case, this conflict avoidance, pretending like there isn't a conflict or conflict denial, can lead a person to depression. When you have an internal expectation, something that God's put in you that is good, And you're repressing it and suppressing it. You're not valuing your thoughts and your feelings. Eventually, you start to doubt your own worth. And when you start to doubt your own worth and value, then you start to get depressed. And Ken Sandy, and his Slippery Slope of Conflict graph shows the extreme escape from this kind of conflict is suicide, that a person is so tormented and bottled up, with their unnamed, unidentified, unexpressed needs, concerns, and desires that were good and given from God that the person self-destructs to end their pain. Now, on the other extreme, instead of self-destructing, a person might lash out at their spouse verbally. They could be verbally abusive. They could be physically abusive. They could break up the marriage. It could break up the marriage that you always get what you want, and I never get what I want. This marriage is over. This isn't a marriage. You get attacked verbally, they could be lawsuits, and in an extreme case, this could escalate into murderous rage. If you've ever seen that on the news, how one spouse kills another and you wonder, how in the world does that happen? Well, the answer is really simple. Conflict out of control down the slippery slope where uh, The brain is flooded with intense emotion where the spouse is no longer seen as a friend, but they're seen as an enemy, where rage comes out, whereas Jesus taught in the Gospel of Matthew, what's angry, what is anger in the heart comes out with violent words and then violent actions. And so the root cause of murder is actually anger. And if you get angry, eventually You could become a murderer. So now, lots of marriages survive vacation decision, most do. And there's a lot of healthy things you can do in between suicide or murder. What you want to do is figure out how to do, how to respond in a way that preserves what's most valuable and if you listen to our introductory podcast you know that in relational peace university we're operating under the assumption that the research of harvard university is accurate the single greatest factor that influences the quality of your life is going to be the quality of your close relationships you'll only be as happy as the quality of your close relationships If your close relationships are shot it doesn't matter if you've got all the money in the world it doesn't matter if you've got fame it doesn't matter if you've got fortune if you've got recognition if your close relationships are shot your health will suffer and your well-being will suffer so here's the thing your goal is to preserve the quality of your close relationships whenever you find yourself feeling the tensions rise where you either want to shut down and suppress your desires, which in an extreme case leads to depression, or in another extreme case, you want to lash out, which in an extreme case leads to abuse. You've got to find a middle ground. And there is a middle ground. There is a middle way. Now, the first way is on the scale of denial, but a little bit healthier version, when you get to overlooking a conflict. Ken Sandy, in his book, describes overlooking a conflict as very simply acknowledging the difference, the difference exists, and deciding that you can go ahead with the difference. So if the spouse looks and says, you really want this to go to the beach, and I really want to be home, I'm going to overlook my need this time for you, and I'm going to go to the beach with you, and I'm going to try to integrate the same relaxation I was looking forward to at home as much as possible in that trip. Then you, then you, then you got a, you've got a thing there. You can do that, right? And it's healthy. And you're overlooking it. You're not holding on to it. You're not building contempt. The Gottman Institute reveals that their groundbreaking study on divorce shows that contempt is the greatest factor that will determine the likelihood of divorce. And contempt is simply this, whenever you start to look down on another person, and that would be, for example, in this case, if this person goes to the beach, but they're resenting it, they're not overlooking it, then contempt is building. And eventually it will come out with, you always get your way. You never do what I want to do. You, and the tone of voice and everything sounds like... They're scum, right? That's contempt. So overlooking doesn't let contempt build. This is how you know if you're in denial or overlooking. If you're in denial about the reality of how much you want to stay home, you're going you're gonna to go, but you're going to find resentment about it. You're going to have to learn to forgive and let it go. That's overlooking. It's keeping no record of wrongs. In 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. You can't stockpile what they did wrong away and expect to have a quality close relationship. Now, the second thing you can do is obviously negotiate, right? You can talk to each other and you can try to come up with a win-win. Maybe you could brainstorm some options like, yeah, let's go to the beach this time and next vacation, let's stay home. Or how about this? You take a day off here and let's have a long weekend at home and then let's go to the beach that weekend you look at your calendar and you say you find a way of communicating and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the way you communicate what you value what they value and how you can integrate what you both value into a good solution now say you get stuck my wife and i got stuck soon after we got married whenever i had a opportunity through seminary to go spend five weeks an archaeological dig in jerusalem and get an extra credit course at Ashland Seminary she was working, I was in seminary and I thought this was an opportunity of a lifetime and she thought that life without me for five weeks in Ohio while she's working wouldn't be that grand and we talked and we talked and we talked about it I couldn't let it go and she couldn't feel peace about me going so what what did we do You know, we didn't just keep it to ourselves. We went back to our marriage mentor couple and sat down and talked with them. And this is what you would call bringing in a mediator or a third party. Now, there's two ways you can do this, right? A mediator is just going to help you listen and understand what you should do. But there's a, a second option, which is often used in organizations like churches, which is arbitration. Arbitration is a legally binding agreement that is handed down, and it can be kind of handed down by an authority. So we could have gone to a marriage mentor couple and said, here's what I think, here's what she thinks, you guys tell us what we should do. That's more like arbitration. Where mediation is more like you guys figure out what you're going to do, the mediator's going to help you. Arbitration is actually letting a third party help make the decision. Then obviously you have to own it and integrate it. So these are all good options, right? In fact, in Jesus says in Matthew 18 that if someone uh, offends you, sins against you, to go to them in person and try to work it out. And that principle applies to conflict resolution. Start with the personal effort. Make a go of it. Say, hey, let's talk about this. And we'll, and we'll talk more about this, but you got to set the stage. you got to be in the right frame of mind. you got to understand what flooding is in your brain that makes you lash out when you sw- the switch flips and you see the person as an enemy instead of a friend. You've lost it. You need to take a break and time out and come back and all that. But listen, you can do it. You can go personally. And if that fails, you can bring in a mediator, someone to help you resolve it. And if that fails, find someone you mutually trust and just go to them and say, help us decide. Because we're stuck. And get unstuck. And protect the quality of your close relationship. Protect it. live in relational peace thank you for joining this episode of relational peace university we'll see you next time with more inspiration and practical tips on how you can live in relational peace